Sean, don't lose the music entirely. I have a question for you. Well, you're playing it. How can I... Oh. Sean, did you ever do uh, any psychedelic drugs? Not on purpose. <laughs> no, that's a true story. Oh, here we go. I was just, it was just, I was just curious oh, if you've sure. ever done any psychedelic sure. drugs. I have such a powerful memory associated with that riff right there in this particular song by Led Zeppelin. What do you mean not on purpose? Did someone spike your drink? Very quick story. Went to a radio birthday party that was a happy hour, uh-huh. and somebody brought some cookies. Yeah, uh, that were not just pot cookies, and they had more than pot in them. They didn't have, they didn't have any other food set out. It was a happy hour. I like to eat, if you can't tell. And there's th- there's this plate full of cookies there. I ate three of them. A local sportscaster, who's no longer a sportscaster, ate two of them. And the walls started melting about a half hour later. Are you telling me that someone made LSD cookies? Yeah, they were really bad. How do you... So scary. How do you get LSD in a cookie? <laughs> that uh, scares me. I must be late, but it was... Uh, I was pissed. Well, I mean, no, I, mean no. I was I was yeah. pissed. So here's, here's I, the thing about powerful psychedelics like mushrooms yeah. or LSD. You you don't ever, ever, no matter what drug we're talking about, you never, ever, ever dose somebody without letting them know what's happening well before and giving them the option. Because there's nothing worse than realizing, oh, shit, I am tripping balls. And now <laughs> this is my life for the next oh 12 God. hours. And you can't you can't do that to no. someone. No. So the reason I ask is I had just I have a really specific memory of that song right there. No Quarter by Led Zeppelin. It is, you know, Robert Plant, I feel like for all the sexy rock star that he was also probably would have fit in with like the mega nerds after school in some study hall because oh, absolutely. everything he sings about is either Vikings or hobbits or I, <laughs> he, he was really into that sort of thing. But that song right there is about winter and the storms are blowing cold. The winds of Thor are blowing low in that particular song. And right it now reminds me of the joke. You think you're Thor? I can barely stand. That's a, that's a, that's the punchline. I'll tell you the I've, joke later. Um, I've never I've never heard that. Joke. Sorry, Courtney. Seems pretty good. My name is Brian Oak. That is Sean Bernard. Our guest is Courtney. Yes. Mine. Yes, mine. Yes, mine. Yes, mine. Courtney, yes, mine. Courtney, I'm never going to get that right. right. Because there's a yes and a no in it. Nay is another word for no. Isn't that weird? With a me in the middle. Exactly. (laughs) That's weird. So, anyway, outside, it's the Brian Oak Show. It's episode 124. (laughs) We're recording in the Smart Start MN studio here in beautiful South Minneapolis. All of us residents of South Minneapolis, by the way. And it's one of those days that I love in winter. Because for people who don't get regular winters, this day to them would seem terrible. For those of us who have Mm -hmm. been through actual blizzards and terrible, hideous winter weather, this is beautiful. It's pastoral. It's like a (laughs) courier and Ives plate in your grandma's house. It's the the big, heavy flakes falling down, no wind whatsoever. Driving's a little shitty, but it's it's nice outside. Do you like this kind of weather, Courtney? Absolutely. It's beautiful. I have have no problem getting over here. I only had to come like three miles or something, but Mm -hmm. I mean, I... It's, it's a non, it's a non issue. Um, and it is, it makes Minnesota, it makes Minnesota beautiful. 
Courtney has been making music here in the Twin Cities for a very long time, and she's got this amazing adventure story in the younger part of her life. There's so much to cover that I don't know that we're going to have time to do all of it, but the reason I actually reached out to you is because Sean and I, you know, we intended to be much more philanthropic in the first year of doing this particular uh, podcast, but it's been a weird year, right? I mean, pandemic, no one saw it coming, and it's made it difficult for us to be as generous as we would like or to have as many events as we would have liked. In fact, it's made it virtually impossible, but you are finding a way throughout the month of January, performing live every Thursday, which is today, uh, to, you know, help spread the wealth and spread the music and spread the love, which, frankly, we've been focusing on a lot in the past year. So before we get to all of that, get to your story, get to more about you, (laughs) I just wanted to play one song that sort of spoke to the kind of weather that we have today. Now, a lot of people think of this as a Christmas song, and it is. It fits with that mood. The thing is, if you live in Minnesota... After Christmas has come and gone, you know, we don't need to hear silver bells. We don't Mm. need to hear, you know, a a lot of the songs. But the winter weather continues for sometimes another good three months after Christmas is over. And this one speaks very, very much to that fact. It's an interpretation by Squirrel Nut Zippers who, yes, they had the big alternate hit back in the 90s with the song Hell. But they're really talented musicians. And, oh, this woman's voice is so amazing. Squirrel Nut Zippers with Winter Weather on The Brian Oak Show. I just love, to me, that matches the day we're having right now here in Minnesota, in Minneapolis specifically, light, 
snow, but big, heavy snowflakes, no howling 40-mile-an-hour winds, which I understand are on the way at some point. Is that true? Yeah, it sounds like we're going to get maybe eight or nine inches of snow. (sighs) Well, this is the fun part, okay? The shoveling later, the heart attack snow, that's not the fun part. Although, it's warm enough right now that if you're ever in the mood to make a snow fort, make a snow person, uh, or get out and throw a snowball at someone you love or don't exactly love. It's the Brian Oak Show, episode 124, made possible by the good people at Smart Start MN. Should you, someone you love, someone you know, even someone you don't love, because you don't want to wish garbage on anyone, lose their right to drive due to a DUI. It can be difficult, daunting, challenging to get back on the horse, literally to get back into your vehicle and legally be allowed to drive. Smart Start MN can get you there earlier than you otherwise might expect. Yeah, just go to smartstartmn.com slash the Brian Oak Show. They'll give you 20% off the installation of the ignition interlock system. Edit, edit button. Yeah, right? You need the Heimlich? Anything else? No? No, thank you. I'm choking on my raspberry oat bar. Okay. <laughs> Don't eat in podcast. Yeah, apparently not. Don't. The oats went down the wrong pipe right there. I don't ever eat anything called like a raspberry oat bar, but <laughs> it's what they have over there, and they do a really good job over at Sovereign Grounds. Our guest today is Courtney Yasmine. Close? Beautiful. Was that close? Yasmine. 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 I, I, I was almost, I was like 90, 90%, Yesmine. right? Okay, Courtney Yasmine. <laughs> Courtney, you have... I'm making sure I... Is that how I really, Is that how I say my name? Yeah, see, don't, even you don't know. I've heard your name for so many years, and every single person I've ever heard say your last name has said it a different way, and as you inform me, it's always been wrong, and I'm, wrong. I, I'm, I'm proud to be continuing that tradition yeah. of not getting it exactly <laughs> you right. Did. You did get it right. You guys both got it right just now. So. Courtney is uh, a singer-songwriter. You you grew up in Chicago and uh, in your late mm-hmm. teens decided, screw this, I'm out. And you mm-hmm. took off. Whereas most people, though, would run for the bright lights of Los Angeles or New York <laughs> City or the warm weather of the South. You're like, nope, I'm going to the extreme north woods of Minnesota. I'm going to go hide out in the Arctic tundra where you discovered the music of Bob Dylan and honed your own craft. And mm-hmm. here we are, low these many years later, where you've got eight albums under your belt. You are a published novelist, and you are, the reason we have you in here right now is because I saw that you were promoting on Facebook that you were doing a series of charitable live streams every Thursday throughout the month, but we're not going to start there. I mean, I got to go back. You know, I've I've known your name for a long time. We've met in passing one or two times, mm-hmm. but your story is incredible. So can we can mm-hmm. we go back to the earlier part of it? Is that okay? Sure. You wrote a book about it. We don't have to spend yeah. a lot of time there, but I mean, yeah. you're from Chicago, so... Like people, like me, I grew up in Coon Rapids, but if I ever leave the state, I tell people I'm from Minneapolis, because I have lived in Minneapolis for 30 years. Are you from Chicago, or are you from, are you, were you Chicago adjacent growing up? No, I was in Chicago. Um, my, both of my parents were from the uh, north side community that was near the Swedish Covenant Church and Swedish Covenant Hospital. So there, my dad's people were Italian, my mom's people were Swedish, but they were north side in the city people. And then um, eventually I went to Maine South High School, which is a first tier suburb called Park Ridge. Mm-hmm. But it's like Park Ridge Displains. Mm-hmm. And, and that and that's still that is still Chicago. I mean, that's not, you know, I don't know. Are we that's near not, are we near Schaumburg at this point? Um, I, 
I'm not exactly sure where Schaumburg is, but I think it's further out. Okay. Actually, yeah. Des Plaines is kind of north and west. Most mm-hmm. of my ancestors are buried. Yeah, most of my ancestors are buried in Des Plaines or Calvary, which is up by Evanston. But yeah, uh huh, yeah. uh-huh. It's so weird because it, it, you know, people think about the suburban layout of like the Twin Cities, and it's big and it's expansive, but the the nature of just how big the the you know the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth tier suburbs are around Chicago, it's mm-hmm. genuinely massive. And like, so my wife is from Chicago and, mm-hmm. you know, taking the train or traveling in or trying to get, I mean, you could live further away from, you could, you could be in a different second tier suburb down here and someone else is in a second tier suburb up here and you're further away than Duluth is from the Twin <laughs> Cities. I mean, it's a massive, Especially massive in traffic. Area. Yeah, it really oh, is. To say the very it least. Really so is. you're in Chicago and we don't have to yeah. dig into the deep parts, but a lot of people I think in their late teens are like, screw this, I'm out of here. And yeah. you did that, but you didn't go to the bright lights in big city. You retreated to the Northwoods of Minnesota, which <laughs> is not a typical move. Interesting. Interesting move, but not typical. Why? Why the woods? Um, it was really, it was the absolute, it, it was like the ultimate to me. And um, I'll, I'll tell this little tiny conversation from uh, a promoter I love in New York City, who's a, a Jewish born in New York guy um, who works for, um, oh, what's it called? I can't remember the name. Newspaper. Uh, I'll think of it. No, it's um, record company? Paradigm Talent Agency. Is oh, okay. Mm, all right. right. Paradigm is that sure. what they call it? I'm not familiar with a lot of talent agencies. Yeah. Well, so he's a he's a really really great guy who prom- promotes and is and manages big people who we've all heard of. Mm. And he and I, uh, he's he's been really nice about helping me book things, um, and and been really encouraging to me. And uh, when he first heard my story, he said. Um, you know, that was the most stupid thing you ever did. I mean, you know, your whole life could have been different. Do you, do you realize how stupid that was? Like, of, like, do you understand that Bob Dylan went to New York City and you went up to where Bob was from? Bob was long gone. Like, Bob was living in, like, Malibu by that time. You literally went you the opposite went, direction. Yeah. And, 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 and I said something to him about, but I loved, like, the woods and everything. And he was like, don't talk to me about trees. I'm allergic to trees. <laughs> allergic to trees. So I, I just want to interject that little story to say that I'm, for, thanks to that guy, I'm, I'm a, acutely aware of how, how weird, it, what a weird decision it was. But I had no ideas about fame and fortune and, my ideas were about nature. I mean, I know that sounds weird, but I was 17 and I, I had always spent the summers in northern Minnesota at my grandfather's cabin. My grandfather had died. My parents were in the middle of a shit show divorce. And I thought that Chicago was like corrupt and big and dirty. And I just, kept which it thinking, is, by the way, it's all, yeah, and I just kept thinking about, um, the beautiful, pristine wilderness. And I just thought, I got to get there. I got to get back there. And so my grandfather died and the cabin was empty. And I knew that. And I mean, I really didn't think about the fact that it wasn't really insulated and it wasn't really oh. meant for winter. Wow. Did, and you, I just did you have keys? Did you break in? Um, yes and no. Yes and no. I, I got up there. I got in there. And it was summer, so it didn't really matter. Right. And let's just put it that way. And then as the fall came on, I, I ro- enrolled in the school because I wanted to graduate from high school. Mm. 
And I went to the school and I lied to them and said that my parents were out there with me and they knew I was lying. They told me later that they knew I was lying the whole time. <laughs> and, um, and then I went all winter and I, I took a bus. I, they, they, they sent the bus out for me only to where they could get the road plowed. And I had to meet but from the unplowed peninsula that I was on. I had to come down and meet where the bus could turn around. Cross country skis, snowshoes. I had some, I had some old skis and I used them. And, um, there's a, it, this is in my novel that that I wrote that I felt like I had to write. Which to is really. called? It's it's called the coldest place. Yeah. Because my big brother, who was still getting to go finish going to college on the money that was left before the divorce, mm. he was going to Carleton in Minnesota, and during that time, and he said, "Sister C, you can't stay up here for the winter. Don't you realize that?" In the middle of the winter, this is the coldest place in America. And I stayed anyway. I just, I didn't have anywhere else to go. That's the way I see it. What I, was it, What was the nearest it. town to Tower. You? Tower. Oh, yeah. Okay, I know where that which is. Which is sometimes the coldest place. Yeah. You know, so that, that's, that's right. Anyway, the nice thing I always like to say is that there was a man who drove the bus who was his favorite album at the time was Meatloaf. Oh, it's cold and lonely in the deep dark night. I can see paradise by the dashboard light. Right? So he would come barreling down the pitch dark, 30 below, 7 in the morning road in this old big yellow bus. And I could hear meatloaf <laughs> and I would know, thank God that he was almost there. And I would pull the ice chunks off my eyelashes and I'd step onto his baking hot bus. Mm, yeah. and he didn't ever bother turning the music down and he would just be like, yep, here we go. It. And one morning he turned the music down and he said, I have something to tell you. It was in February. Um, he said, I've been driving down here every day and I, I've told my wife every day about you and I've said that it's there's no way she's going to be standing there. And you, you've been there every single day. And my wife and I had a baby last night, and we named her after you. Oh, my gosh. How cool is that? Yeah, what? that really happened. And that's that girl lives. That girl lives. She's, she, I don't know where she lives right now, but she was, she was born in Tower, Minnesota. Wow. wow. That's a great story. That, that, I love that story. Yeah. One of the best stories I've ever heard, actually. Yeah. Um, Courtney, so here you are now... I'm, I'm assuming that you wouldn't have had the deep appreciation for that meatloaf song blasting. You wouldn't have had the wherewithal to to live in the North Woods and to chop your own wood and try to stay alive through literally the coldest place. Music came into your life earlier than when you ditched Chicago for Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I. Um my parents made the mistake of taking me to church one time on Christmas Eve. And I was sick. <laughs> Is that a mistake? Well, they thought it was because the little kids all came out in these like choir robes and they had little battery candles and they were singing. And I'd never seen like kids sing. And I grabbed onto my parents and like, how did those kids get to do that? <laughs> yeah. And how come I'm not there? I, yeah. And I, I, I made them take me and they, they didn't want to go to church at all. So they would take me in their pajamas and they were always mad. And, um, and I, I was like a barracuda about wanting to be the one who got to sing the solos. And, and then there was something about, there was going to be an acoustic service and it was like 1970. Wow. And I was like, how do you, how do you get to be in the acoustic service? And they were like, well, you have to like play the guitar 
And like, you know, some of these people are like singers, songwriters, they're writing their own songs. And so I just was like, okay, I'm doing that. And so I wrote a song. I was 10 and um, I, I played guitar and that was the beginning. That's fantastic. So we've gone long enough. We have to get a song, and we're going to continue talking about your story a little bit more here. But first, we're going to hear a song uh, by another noteworthy Minnesotan uh, that you happen to cover. Obviously, your love of Bob Dylan is, it's not a secret. <laughs> yeah. And, but, but you're not alone. Along no. with tens, if not hundreds of millions of others, there's a love there. Why did you decide to do this particular song? Well... Uh, you know, I've been touring a lot in, um, America and in Europe mm-hmm. over the past like 10 years, a couple Europe tours a year and, uh, around the country, uh, around America. And oh, especially over the past like five years, it's, be- it's become important to me to s- sort of speak about America. And at the same time, I, I don't like to get into it on stage. That's not my, that's not my deal. And so uh, a few, a few carefully chosen pieces like this song, uh, for me, just like, like, just knock it right out of the park and I don't have to say anything. Come gather round people wherever you roam And admit that the waters around you have grown And accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone If your time to you is worth saving Then you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone For the times they are a change Some writers and critics who prophesize with your pen and Keep your eyes wide, the chance won't come again And don't speak too soon, for the wheel's still in spin And there's no telling who that it's naming For the loser now will be late out to win For the times they are changing Senators, congressmen, please heed the call Don't stand in the doorway, don't block up the hall For he who gets hurt will be he who has stalled There's a battle outside raging And it'll soon shake your windows and rattle your walls For the times they are a-changing Mothers and fathers throughout the land Don't criticize what you can't understand Your sons and your daughters are beyond your command The old road is rapidly aging Please get out of the new one if you can't lend a hand For the times they are changing The line, it is drawn, and the curse, it is cast. The slow one I will later be fast, as the present I will later. 
to be passed The order is rapidly fading And the first one now will later be last For the times they are changing Courtney, I'm going to ask a very personal question. What's it like for you when you listen to your own music, things you've recorded? Do you like it? Does it make you cringe? Do you second guess it? What's it like for you when you listen to something you've recorded? I used to to have a lot of doubts about things, and I think probably rightly so. Um, You know, it takes 10,000 hours of mastery or 20,000 or I don't know how many thousand a lot of thousands uh, of yeah um but um the the albums I've made the last the, this the, the song that we just played came out a, a year ago or so and mm-hmm. and the high priestess and the renegade came out the year before that and uh those those recent recordings um that that shit is solid you know I I stand by that and so that's the and whole bit. So I'm not. I'm not. Asking, I'm not questioning the the content or yeah. the quality, but like it's weird for. I guess I ask because for selfish reasons. Like I don't go back and listen to podcasts that we've already recorded. I hate listening to myself talk. I think I'm just okay, and I'm like, oh, I was dumb. Oh, why would you say it like that? What are you, What are you doing? You're an idiot. So I just mm-hmm. wonder if when you listen to your stuff, are you like. No, we got there on that one. Okay. Know, or or, right. or if you, or if you're like, oh, it's like looking at baby pictures. Fuck this. Well, f- first of all, Brian, I, m- my impression of you is that you, everything you do is really great. Okay. Well, that's strong. I'm but thank say you. That. That's fine. But thank you. Uh, and secondly, I'll say that, um, I, I was going to say that even though like the more recent recordings, I really, I just stand by them a hundred percent. And I enjoy hearing them, and I get like really choked up at, at a lot of it. I really do. See, that's great. But, that, to me, that's the dream, right? Yeah, that's what it I. Is. That's what I like to hear. But but, but I want to say that now, um, you know, many many years into this, I, I'm going to be 60 in February, and um, happy early birthday! Thank you. And and now I hear the early recordings, and I weep. For that girl, Courtney, yeah. and how much it all meant to her, and how hard she tried. Mm. See, but that's pretty great. So let, let's yeah. let's go back to that point then, real quick, so if I'm, you don't mind. I, I have a lot of sympathy and and a, a lot of you know feelings. But, but it's there. It's a document. It's important. It's been part of the journey. So here legacy, you are. Yeah. You, I mean, you're young. You run to the North Woods. At some point, you decide I'm heading back into some vague form of a city and I'm going to make a life out of this. I'm going to do this for a living. What gets you out of the woods and gets you down to the city and gets you paying serious attention to your craft? Well, here's here's a cool story that's very, very quick to say that the principal of the school uh, in Tower, Minnesota, called me into the office and said, uh, you need to go to college. And I was like, I'm, I'm not going to be able to. My parents, you know, everything's been blown up. The mm. divorce was, it just, I never saw my father again since that time oh. period. And so there was no way I was going to go to college. And he said, no, I have uh, a friend who's an, an Iron Ranger. Um, that's that region up there is the Iron Range. Yeah who's the head of the English department at a, a nice little college. And it's in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'd never been to the Twin <laughs> Cities. I had gone straight from Chicago to northern Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And he said that, um, he said, 
I'm pretty sure they they I've shown them your transcripts. I I was a really good student, mm. and he said I I think that we can get you in there. And so he had bought me a Greyhound bus ticket round trip for one day, and I I took the bus down in the morning and I walked from the St. Paul bus station and I found McAllister College. Wow. And That's a little bit of a hike, by the way. I, I, mean, I had not, no idea. It's not like yeah. five miles, but it, I mean, it's it's across the freeway, and that's a ways to go. Yeah, I had no idea, and I I hadn't been able to take a shower in like three months, mm. and I'd cut off all my hair because I, I mean the, the pipes had frozen in the cabin, so I'm wearing the I'm wearing the red wool long underwear that I have literally not taken off in like eight weeks or more, huh. and my. I'm, I'm just like, my clothes are just like, you know, glued like to my Pippi body. You're like Pippi Longstocking, but without the, the braided pigtails. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and I I found the guy, and the and the guy was, I told him, I was like very, like, I have a chip on my shoulders. I was very just like, yeah, it's no big deal. And then he took me <laughs> to the financial aid office, and he was like, tell them what you just told me. And I just like said whatever I said. And the women in the financial aid office, there, I remember that the one lady was like wiping her eyes, and she, they were saying like, don't worry, dear. Everything's going to be okay. And I was just like standing there like, whatever. I don't know. I don't care. I don't even know if I want to do this or I don't know. I was, you know, I was, I was weird. But anyhow, that's the story of how I got to the Twin Cities is by the grace of God and those people. And I, I got the four year full scholarship and I went Mm, and I graduated and it was in creative writing and literature. And then they let me be in the choir and, and it was, it helped me a lot. They saved my butt. Changed your life. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, all of us, right? There before the grace of whether you want to call it God or your higher power or yeah. the human beings around you, you know, anybody. So yeah. here you are. You go to school. You have a new lease on life. Do you, mm-hmm. at any point during that time, do you ever go back up north and visit or are you, are you now firmly in the Twin Cities? No. So I, 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 I still didn't have, like at that point, I really had like no family at all left. So, and I wasn't like in contact with my mom. And so... I would go back up to the to the Iron Range, and um, I was I was in a bluegrass band, mm-hmm. and um, the guy who played the twelve string guitar, um, I, I married him at the end of college, and I just assumed that our band would take off, and and that would be how it would go, and um, he he might even be listening to this, so I'll be careful what I say because he was really 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 a sweet person. But we were married for like one year and I didn't like that he couldn't remember all the words to all the verses. And I was just like, dude, you are not trying hard enough and I'm out of here. It represented representative of perhaps other aspects of life. Like if you're not really willing to dedicate yourself to remember the if words, you can never the verses, remember the third verse. I'm out. Word of the wise right there. Courtney's not taking any shit from anybody. So you you are in that band and you're doing that. When do you record your first record? When do you say, I am Courtney Yasmine and I'm I'm making my first record and this is my first. You've made eight records. When made, do you, when no, do, but I made them all like now. Like there's a there's another promoter who's been really kind to me um, at, at BMG Records and he said to me, uh, I made the first recording not until I was 42 years old. And he said, my only possible hope for you is that you can somehow make an, a big enough body of work quickly enough that before you look too old and it all goes to hell, that somehow you'll you'll catch up to everyone else 
in your industry and somehow you'll appear to be mid-career very quickly because you'll have such a big body of work. Like, he's like, that's the only thing I can suggest to you because I have no idea how you're going to do this. I mean, this is ridiculous. You're 42. You know, he really liked my music, but he was frustrated that it was going to be impossible to promote me because of my age. Um, so I, I didn't make the first record until then because 9-11 happened and I had little kids and I was married and I wrote, suddenly I wrote some songs, uh, very heartfelt stuff about 9-11, like, like the day after it happened. And I brought it to the church choir that I was singing in, in, in Minnesota, in Minneapolis and they loved it. I didn't know that they were going to. And they wanted to record it. Like with me singing and playing my guitar and then the choir backing me up. They loved it so much that they wanted to record it. And then the recording people, who were people here in Minneapolis, um, were like, do you have any more songs? Because you're really great. You should make a record. And it had never even, it had never occurred to me. What was the church? Uh, it was the church out in, in the western suburbs. It's a Wyzetta Community Church. Oh, okay. And they're people who had, have a lot of money. I'll just say that. They're people who have a lot of money, and um, they 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 were really supportive of me. So I guess the, the weird part of my story is that um, when I was all through my 30s, I couldn't... I was doing music. I was playing music. I was in a, a, a couple different bands. In my 20s, I was in bands, but I... I had gotten the idea that you either are born Bob Dylan or you're born Michael Jackson or you're born. Um, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of like what female artist is like really appropriate for me to, to give as an example. Dolly Parton, maybe. That's we literally um, our last episode of the podcast was about nothing but Dolly Parton. OK, as, so that's perfect. I, I mean, very, very much in there. You know, you could say Joni Mitchell. You could say Aretha Franklin. But I mean, Dolly Parton, yeah. our argument on the last podcast was that there's probably not a more influential, important uh, woman with a similar duration in American music history than Dolly Parton. There, there's exactly. no there's no one that's traveled her trajectory and mm-hmm. there's no one that's ever eclipsed her. Right. I, so, but but you I, don't have to be born at that level, right? I mean, you well, thought it was that or nothing. But she was born in a in a dirt floored cabin. Yeah, yep. So it. So I was wrong. I know I was wrong. So mm-hmm. if anybody who's listening today, don't don't think that way because it's you're wrong. Nobody's born, you know, on the on the star trajectory. Mm-hmm. Really, it's just uh, a matter of. Um, it's just a matter of what your vision is and and how your vision maybe gets distorted by discouragement. And my, my vision for myself was always from when I was six and saw the kids when I was Mm. three, my brother used to make me sing. These boots are made for walking on on the telephone in the kitchen for all of our relatives. Cause I knew all the words when I was three, I was just, I loved to sing and I loved music, but I, I got it. I got it all screwed up. Because I thought that I must have been wrong about myself because it, I didn't just take off. I mean, I went the wrong direction, right? I didn't go to New York City. I went to Northwoods. Mm. I never said wrong I, direction. <laughs> I just said interesting and surprising direction. Well, right. But I'm, and for whatever reason, that's probably what my soul needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't thinking fame and fortune. And I wasn't thinking I want to be a star. Like Taylor Swift thought I want to be a star. Dolly thought I want to be a star. Yeah. I wasn't thinking that. I was just thinking, 
I want to sing songs and I want to write songs. And I, I didn't Which I don't think I is a understand. terrible goal, by the way. I, yeah. I, I, think, I think it's okay to have that as your goal, to not want to be the center of the musical universe, just mm-hmm. to be able to do the thing that enriches your soul. And also, having spent as much time in the Northwoods as I have, which is a tremendous amount of time, mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that dream either. I like it very much up there. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So it, I, I guess I'm saying these things sort of like an apology, but it's... It's meant to say that uh, I've had people say to me, why are you doing this to yourself now? Why are, why are you, <laughs> you know, why, why are you? Because hmm. now I'm a, a full-time musician and I've done all this touring and I've brought bands, Minneapolis-based band with me all over Europe and all over America. And there are people who have said to me, I, I don't understand why you do this to yourself now at this point in your life as a woman at this point in your life. And I, I've gotten it. I guess I've gotten it into my head now that, look, this was what I wanted to do since I was six. Maybe I didn't uh, I didn't take the road, the obvious road. Um, but I've decided that the way my path has gone isn't a reason t- to not finally make my dream come true i've decided that i get to i i get to try to ram this home before i die and i really don't give a fuck anymore what people think about my age i guess i guess that's where i'm at well i guess i was startled to find out that and nothing there's anything wrong with it but i was startled to find out that you're turning 60 in february because <laughs> i thought you were my age well, i'm 49 I almost 50 exactly. i did i thought and, you were the same age every time i've seen you live one of the things i like about you and this is not to reduce you to that but not everybody has a great sense of style on stage in mm. addition to their talent and their presentation and the music that they write and the way they perform and mm. the talent that they bring to bear you have too much flash for someone. There's that, that, and, and again, and I don't want people to think that means that that's all there is. That's not what I'm trying to say. But, I mean, that's rock and roll, right? Marrying a sense of style with good material, with yeah. great presentation. That's what I go to see a show for. And so that's why I've enjoyed your shows. Before Thanks, we talk Brian. more about this, we've gone on a long time here. And I, but I really mean that, though. I'm not just okay, throwing cool. that out there. I, I like all that. We Thanks. need to hear another song. And, okay. you know, we, we did one of your covers of Bob Dylan, but apparently this next song... Well, it sort of takes it to another level, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Tell me about this song. It's, it's autobiographical. And also my mother says that this song is all lies.
I could literally do a whole podcast about that song. I have so many things I want to ask you about that song, <clears throat> but I know that it's largely autobiographical. I know that it there's a lot of metaphor involved there, and as your mother says, it's mostly lies. Um, but what I want to ask <laughs> is what said I, it's all lies. All lies. Well, so I mean, but but it's not all lies. You did steal your daddy's car yes, and I drive did. to the North Woods. Yes, I mean, I, I, if anyone who's read your book knows yeah. that there are absolute. So it's not all lies, <laughs> right. and there may be some bending of the truth. But what's more fascinating to me is you know never having been able to craft music myself, but being mm-hmm. adjacent to it for almost my entire life. I'm always fascinated by the people who can create it like you, Courtney. So when I listen to that song, you know, I can't help but get caught up in the vibe, the background vocals. I always listen Mm -hmm. to background vocals. That's why I love listening to music with headphones. Mm -hmm. I like to hear all the things that are happening. When a song comes to you, does it come to you fully formed? Is it like Frankensteining together something over the course of days, months, years? What is the songwriting process like for you? Um, I've probably written a song in, in any any of the processes that people talk about, but generally I would say that the good ones are the ones that I'm like really, I'm like stoked up some about something. I mean, they're like mad or I'm, I don't know, something's, I've, I have a very strong emotion going and I write it out and I know how it goes. I know how the melody goes. And then I like, as I like I'm thinking like maybe I make it up because I'm like driving the car and make up because I'm walking my dog or something and I'm thinking about you know how I'm gonna show those assholes or some, it's always something like that it's always it's always I'm gonna show those assholes good keep showing <laughs> so, those assholes yeah. motivation keep showing them so, I, I, so then I get back to the house and I get the guitar out and I start like writing as fast as I possibly can and I'm mad I'm always really mad and I'm always like god damn it I'm gonna show that you know it's always like that fuck you here comes my yeah. song here comes actually, my fucking actually, song here's I have to say, there's a guy here in the Twin Cities who's done a lot of tours with me, and he's quite a bit younger than I am. And when he was like 28, we were finishing a show in um, Amsterdam, and <laughs> we were like leaving the stage, and then and then people like started to like walk away, and then we were going back out to like put our gear pack up our gear or something and as we get back up onto the stage he like goes to the front of the stage and now like everyone has kind of like gone over by the bar and they're waiting like to go like to the merch table so they're like they're not by the stage anymore and he goes he just gets up on the front stage and he goes fuck you all and and i'm like what are you doing and he's like i don't know but every time i play a show with you i feel like doing that <laughs> Wow. That's got to feel good. <laughs> You're the muse of fuck you all. I, I think I think that actually has changed. But I, <laughs> I, I don't think, know. I, but oh, it, no. there's, it's still kind of there. It's probably still kind of there. Anyway, so that's the way the songs get written is they, they're all like pretty much complete. And then sometimes I have to go back and say, you know, the story didn't get told enough and I have to like be be responsible and be a be the English teacher. I've ta- I've taught high school English. I have to sometimes go back and use like discipline to complete it. And I hate that part. And I'm I I'm good at that part because I'm a pretty disciplined person, but I don't enjoy that part. And sometimes I feel like the songs get wrecked later mm. if I come back with like my brain on. My brain is, you know, my like all that all the anger and stuff is has dissipated, and I'm coming back with like my intelligence. Yeah, no, you're coming back with the prefrontal cortex as opposed to your lizard brain, which yeah. writes the songs. Yeah, yeah, and so sometimes I'm afraid I'll wreck them, um, and and maybe I've wrecked a few that way. 
I doubt that very much. <laughs> Courtney Espine, uh, she has a live stream tonight and every Thursday throughout the month, which we're going to talk mm-hmm. about next. But first, we do have to say hello, Sean. How are you? Oh, never better. This has mm-hmm. been so great today. I just, uh, I, I <laughs> Thanks, believe Sean. you when you sing, and that's what matters to me. Like, I believe you. You're, And hearing your story, you've got that same passion today that you did when you were 17 years old and walked into mm-hmm. McAllister. Like, that's what's yes. cool about it is Thanks. that... You you kind of listen to somebody grow. I really want to read the book now. You, oh, good. I mean, you did hear that's just after she married Bob Dylan, right? You heard oh, that part. That was that yeah. was that part was real. Yeah, no, oh, I mean, okay. all of it. It's all coming together right there. But I couldn't I couldn't agree more. Yes. But we should talk to Sean briefly yeah. at least because you uh, I saw you on social media today promoting the fact that you are in fact a realtor for Edina Realty at the 50th and France location, and it's all coming together. It is. You know, it's it's crazy i we, we're fortunate to have a good year in real estate last year in spite of the pandemic i think as i mentioned before a lot of people just kind of decided that they needed to not live in their current place anymore and they might need a change and so uh i don't know i never thought i was going to be a realtor when i grew up even though i had a great uncle who this area that we're in right now was his area this is where he he bought and sold houses for many many years until the 70s but south um, central that's where we yeah, are right south now central absolutely yeah. right uh-huh. but i've learned that i love it but it's really that i love to help people yeah and i care about them and i've developed these great friendships which is a nice little benefit to it and i'm a research nerd so i love doing the homework with it as well and and we have a lot of fun and one of the things i'm going to do as a realtor once this all gets through is uh, well, for one of the situations, we're going to hire a local artist and we're going to do a, a party in their home as a thank you for them using me as a realtor. Then I get to pay the the musician. They get to have great entertainment. They get to invite all their new friends into the home where they have a house party and we get to tie this all together. I'm at that point in my life where the music matters, helping out the artists, giving people that incredible experience they can share with their friends means a ton. So if you or anyone you know is looking at buying or selling this year, have them give me a call, 612-859-2594. That number is also text-worthy. And I begrudgingly, <laughs> but quite sincerely, endorse everything that he just had to say right Thanks, there. Thanks, boss. I- <laughs> so do I. <laughs> Wow, I've got Courtney's endorsement. Yasmine. Yasmine. I'm uh, impressed. Sings at Everett and Charlie Art Gallery every Thursday from 5 to 7 throughout the month of January. Mm -hmm. Part of what we do here on the podcast is promote music. I mean, it's the only thing I've ever really known my adult life, right? Being close to it, helping to promote it. This particular city, which is my home and I love very much and meeting the artists. And in this, this weird, weird, weird year, right? I mean, everyone's tired of talking about how weird it was, but it does suck. It sucks for music fans like me who would go out to see music, yeah. which I took for fucking granted. I took yeah. for granted because you get to a certain age, you're like, oh, tomorrow's Thursday. I'm not going out tonight. No, I, <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be a great show. And for artists, you're like, yeah, we get to play some shows, but, you know, sometimes good, sometimes bad. Now, when we get done with this, when we're really on the other side, <laughs> when it's really safe, like genuinely safe. Right. People are going to be out four nights a week. People are going to go to shows that they would have otherwise blown off without thinking about it. Like, well, CSI is on or whatever the hell popular medical drama or procedural crime drama is on and so but so for fans it sucks out loud but for for performers you are a performing musician that is what you do has the last year been okay has it been brutal i mean you tour the world that's what you do with Mm -hmm. your music 
and you haven't been able to do that in the last year. How are you? I mean, what's it like for you as an active working touring musician to not do any of those things? Uh, I think that it's, it's, you know, it's an unprecedented situation where you you don't, you don't know what to think and you don't know what to feel. Uh, And I, I would say the first few months, were especially that way for me i got sick with what we were pretty sure was the Mm. the virus in uh, late march but because there was no testing or anything i just sort of toughed it out i did go to methodist hospital and they just said you know go home and assume you have it Mm -hmm. and that's all we can do right now um but that was better than having me stay there and be on a ventilator right so i'm really i'm really grateful i made it through i have asthma and it, it was it it, so I, I spent like three weeks in bed, not being able to breathe very well. And uh, that really set my my mentality for the year that by by the end of April of 2020, I was like, OK, I've, I think I've had it and maybe I have some immunity. We don't know. I'm not going to take any chances. But if my fans want to have an outdoor concert mm. and they're at their homes, outdoors and everybody socially distanced everybody in masks i will come and so i spent the whole summer going around this region i you know there's no way to go to europe or anything like that but i i went around our region here and i i got to play a lot and it it was so heartfelt because everybody had their masks on and um i i felt like we just cried we all cried through the whole show oh yeah I cried through the whole show. They cried through the whole show. I did a few on my front porch um, in the month of June. And I felt like, and, and I, I sold spots on my front lawn. And there were only like six spots on the, on the front <laughs> lawn. And it was sold out like Im- immediately every week. And I did it like four weeks. That was awesome. So I'll just say that I've done some creative things to keep going. And I have found it to be uh, probably the most educational spiritually educational time of my of my whole life i want to ask a question about europe uh what was a what was your favorite place to play in europe and then maybe these two tie together but where was the place where you felt like they absolutely got what you were trying to do (laughs) uh i'll i'll tell it i'll tell it funny i guess to be entertaining but (laughs) there'll also be truth to this my favorite place is um one of my favorite guys, he's from L.A., Mark Hudson, had this this club called the Jet Lounge in Amsterdam, in Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the Jet Lounge was a a crazy place. And we would pack so many people mm-hmm. into this tiny bar and we would be so loud. <laughs> and I would have brought my whole backup band from Minneapolis and we had such a blast and he had these drinks that he called the raging alcoholic that was <laughs> in a, it, he, he would fill up a beer bottle with every alcohol and put it in a brown paper bag oh and give gosh. it to you and and people were just pretty inspired people were just out of their minds and we had so much fun okay so that is that's like probably one of my very favorite and i think the guys i've toured with would all say oh my god we had so much fun there um but that's not at all the place that the second part of your question yeah the, set, the second part of your question of like what was the most meaningful thing was just this past tour, which now was, I guess, last 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 September, September of 19, 2019 was the last time I was in Europe. And uh, we had an 
we had a free night that we wanted to have as a free night on the tour. Mm. I, I usually do like 28 days, 26 shows. And, wow. and then radio shows every possible day. Yep. You know, so I mean, we really work our butts off. And we go to like five countries or something. And we had this night that was supposed to be off. It was a Sunday night. Mm. And I got a message from a promoter saying that this church in northern Germany uh, would love to have me come. And could I come like that Sunday? And it was maybe like Wednesday and we were in some other country. Yeah. And we were like, can we do it? Can we do it? And and we, I, I just ended up thinking like, you don't say no. You're over mm-hmm. there. And so it was like maybe an eight hour drive or six, six mm. hour drive in our little van. And we, we got to this church and uh, the church was completely packed. It was the church was from the 1600s. It was in a tiny town. No one spoke English. It seemed like wow. it seemed like very few people spoke English. And it, there were German people in a northern town. And we played our show. And it, that was the night that I was crying. They were crying. Mm. Um, I ended with the Leonard Cohen Alleluia and they wow. all stood and they were all weeping. Mm. And at the end, mm. we went down to the door and we shook hands with each person as they left. And we were all crying. My whole band, we stood <sighs> as they all left and we were all just, I don't, I don't even know what happened. We were just like, maybe it's because we had to drive so far. We were tired. Of it. We, it was just like all, we were so on our, everyone was so raw and then at the end, the minister of the church of this little place brought up the offering plate. It was this mammoth, like brass offering plate. Yeah. And he said, here's the money for you. Oh. And we passed the offering plate. And we like just stuffed it into like this paper bag or something. It was like, <laughs> a, it was like a, a huge amount of money. And it turned out it was over a thousand euros. And Wow. They, yeah. I mean, so it was just a night that we, I remember as being like, Okay, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Cool. Thank you so much. That mm-hmm. was incredible. <laughs> like, well, great. Good. Another show I didn't make it through without crying. <laughs> Shit. Damn it. Wow. We, are, we are going to talk about your performance tonight and oh. every Thursday at the Everett and Charlie Art Clinic. But first, we're going to hear one more song because I want to get both these last two songs in here, if that's okay, all right okay. with you. So tell me about Tangled Web. Okay, Tangled Web is about uh, my children's father and my children, and it's an apology. loved you more than I let on gratitude and sympathy make a potent recipe was I saving you were you saving me either way we were headed for misery what advice would I give? Yeah. Love's a tangled web. Lord, have mercy, mercy on the lovers who aspire to love everlasting. To love everlasting
after all this time, you're still on my mind. What we had could have been so fine. I know the church was your first lure to properly performing and the thing that that drew you in. How often does that kind of gospel music, that aspect, flare up in the music that you create? Um, I guess pretty often. I I, I kind of run the gamut um, from something that's like punk, punk rock to something that's like folk. And in in the middle there, there's there's that that feeling. Well, I mean, I got to be honest. Like growing up in choir music, my wife's a choir teacher, and I grew up in choir. Went to all state choir. That was always around. And I grew up in the church. And sadly, Catholics are a little square. You know, there's a lot of <laughs> as opposed to like you know gospel and fun and that whole Baptist thing. I don't really mm. want to get into the religious part of it, <laughs> but that kind of a music would make it feel much more like a celebration. Who's singing with you on that song right there? Yeah, that's Jermaine Brooks and Kathleen Johnson, who both have been um, a big part of the Minneapolis Sound and have uh, been part of the Prince uh, family and organization. And those two women, uh, when, when I'm in the same room with them, I'm like a tiny little person and <laughs> they are they are they are giants to me. It's hard to imagine that Courtney Yasmine is ever a tiny little person, Uh, but she will be performing uh, on behalf of herself and Everett and Charlie Art Gallery every Thursday throughout this month, including today. For those of you who listen to it as soon as we publish tonight, beginning at five o'clock, five until seven tonight and the next couple of Thursdays throughout the month. Tell me about Everett and Charlie Art Gallery. Uh, it's a, a small independent art gallery that's very vibrant and very delightful, I think, in the, in the art that's chosen. Most of it is local Minnesota. 
stuff. And it's a woman named Susie Marty, who's um, she's just a, a great patron of the arts herself. And she's a very beautiful, artistic woman herself. She's the host of my shows. And uh, I got the idea that I, I wanted to do it anyway. But instead of the the bummer shows are really like in your bedroom at this point on your on your laptop, you <laughs> yeah, know. Right, yeah. So uh, th- so this is a big step up out of the bedroom and into the beautiful art gallery. And with Susie there, kind of manning the um, the people who want to send messages, like she's able to write back. And so we've made it a pretty fun thing. And then I I'm taking tips in my Venmo or uh, PayPal, and I'm splitting uh, the tips equally with her because it's. January. It's the bleak midwinter of art galleries. And you have a Patreon account as well. Will you let people know what that Patreon account is? And we'll tag it when we actually promote the show as well. Okay, thank you. It's just Courtney Yasmine. I think you'll be able to see how to spell that. Yeah, and it's, for sure. That's all it is. And I write a daily um Way, way too much information, personal thing every every morning. It's <laughs> sometimes awesome. at like five in the morning. And my fans have been following that for about three years now. Um, but but moving to Patreon is is a new thing for me, and I have thirteen loyal patrons, and I would love it to be quite a few more. So please join me there. Well, and Patreon's a huge deal because for people who enjoy this podcast on the regular, without the support of our Patreon members, I mean, obviously, Smart Start MN is a huge part of what we Absolutely. do. But without the the sort of foundational support of our Patreon members, we don't have the Smart Start MN studio. We don't have the equipment we have from AudioQuip. We don't have the basis to move forward on the daily. And, you know, it's not, and I, early on, we promised our Patreon members regular monthly shows from artists not unlike Courtney although I don't know that we could afford her um uh, but I mean you know that kind of thing but it's been a weird year right we can't all hang out together we are going to get back to it and for those of you who have spent the year supporting us whether it's at a dollar a month 25 dollars a month whatever the case may be we cannot thank you enough for making this show possible here all the way to episode 124 and Courtney is an incredible artist and so I think people who haven't done a thing like Patreon before are weirded out by it they're like I don't know but like you're not going to miss two dollars a month but if 25 right. more people come along with two dollars a month that's 50 bucks a month to go to towards you creating the art that you create it's it mm-hmm. it makes a huge difference and it's really a good way to support you know much like we encourage you always to get takeout or you know support the businesses in your community mm-hmm. during this ridiculous time it's mm-hmm. the same thing with artists so help them however you can we'll have all the links appropriate and available when we do that there um courtney uh, enjoy the gig tonight and um are you looking forward to getting back out You've yeah, got to be right. I mean, but, but no one really knows, right? I mean, like, I, no. I know that we're not like, you know, none of us are freaking out in here. We're not separated by plastic or anything. Right. But by the same token, we're all trying to make smart choices, right? Yeah, I have a new album that I've been really diligently working on and I'm really, really excited about. And I do think is really f- fresh material. <clears throat> it's all brand new songs that I've written myself Ooh. that I'm I'm planning on releasing like sort of May, maybe. And uh, my German promoter, God bless the Germans, they they've confirmed uh, like six or eight shows already for September of 2021. Fabulous. Fingers crossed. I just said, I'll say yes. And if if it happens, it happens. And if we have to cancel again, we will. But that's my first uh, that's that's the first shot. You know, maybe we'll go out. That's exciting. Yeah, it's really cool. My brother lives in Bamberg, Germany. I'll have oh, to tell him to, Bamberg. Yeah, I'll have to tell him ah. to go see your show. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's it's called Live Club Bamberg. That's the really? place. Yes, yes. Wow. We've we've played there several times. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. He works for Bosch. 
Oh, yeah. He was in the Army for eight years. In Bomberg? Yeah, oh, in yeah. Bomberg. Bomberg. Yes. <laughs> so good to see you. Yes, me name. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tonight and every Thursday throughout the month, Courtney has Mine at Everett and Charlie Art Gallery. You can find out more at her website. Watch it on Facebook Live. Enjoy the performances. Support her on Patreon if you would be so kind. And also, if you've never supported the Brian Oak Show on Patreon, also an option if you so decide. Courtney, good luck with everything in the new year. Thank you so much to both of you. You Thank guys you. are really delightful. And what you do for artists uh, cannot, we can't, we can't do that by ourselves. What you do, what you do is, is irreplaceable and it means the world to every artist. I know I'm speaking for every independent artist. Thank you. Good. That's twice. Thanks, Courtney. <laughs> Appreciate that. Having Thanks that for making Brian cry. Again. But, but here's the thing you have to know, Courtney, is like I cry at good insurance commercials, but that was <laughs> that was actually very heartfelt and very kind. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Let's hear one more song. And the reason I want to hear this one, and you don't have to get too graphic about it, but you know, you, but we're, we're, living, we're living in these weird times, right? Like where where everything seems to have extra heft and extra emotional importance, and we're <laughs> and we're trying to be good to each other, and we're and we're and we're trying to do better yes, by yeah. one another. But that. But if we ever abandon our sense of humor right. or our more base desires, then I right. think then I think we've lost, right? I mean, so exactly. like we can't we can't that get rid of that forever. That ain't gonna happen on my watch. Amen, <laughs> sister. Amen. So uh, you wanted to, you said, or if we want to go this direction, we can play this song. Yeah. Let's let's go out with this song. Tell okay, me about so this song. I just, I just want to say that Pretty Kitty is from my my divorces on the dance floor period of my songwriting <laughs> career <laughs> and um that's the name of a good acoustic side project <laughs> is, right there is. and it's 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 featured this recording is featured in a new documentary film that was made uh out of the twin cities but it's based on a club uh where where it, female impersonators get to have pageants and the 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 pageant uh contestants were were allowed to choose songs, and my Pretty Kitty song was one of the songs that they chose, so it's in the film. Are we talking about mailbox money here? Uh, yeah, we, yeah. I, I actually got my first royalty check um, in December, This just just now. That's awesome. Um, I for wish a that song for, and a movie. I wish that for every artist. Because, yeah, thank you. I mean, you put your heart into it, but actually getting paid for your art, that's yeah. the way the world is supposed to work. Well, right, exactly. And it, it, it's also like particularly fun when it's just like a slutty little song like this. <laughs> Thank you, Courtney. We'll talk to you again soon. Courtney Espinay on The Brian Oak Show. Before I've seen that prison door. Won't